Hello and welcome to episode four of We Could Be Heroes, brought to you by JPI Media and National World. I'm your host, James Copley of the Sunderland Echo. I'm also joined by Mark Atkinson, writer for the Edinburgh Evening News and Graham Falk of The Scotsman. But completing today's lineup is my colleague in the Northeast, Newcastle United writer for the Shields Gazette, Liam Kennedy. Gentlemen, how are we all today? Yeah, opposite the mark, mate. Not that great. <laughs> I mean, I'm all right. Call like a day, I'll be fine, I'm sure. Well, there's only one place to start, really. England versus Scotland at Wembley. A goalless draw which prompted booze for Gareth Southgate and a great deal of social media fume. Football is not coming home, according to Graeme Sooners, and the country of England seems to have lost its collective mind. Liam, we'll start with the Englishman. How are you feeling after that? Um, it was interesting you mentioned Graeme Sooners there. Um, his teeth were quite incredible last night. That's one thing <laughs> I noticed. Anybody else notice that? Is that is is dentist one man of the match, didn't he? Definitely been a turkey this summer and had the uh, had the old cheap job done, hasn't he, on the teeth, on the dentures. No doubt about that. Or he's been or he's been cleaning his teeth with Tipex, I'm not quite sure. But no, <laughs> I, I do I do tend to agree with him, to be honest. Um anybody that knows me and has spoken to me about the about England's chances in the Euros will probably find that I'm quite underwhelmed by it all. Um I've never had any faith in Gareth Southgate and 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 a, and a set of good players, top players. England, England's squad is elite. There is absolutely no doubt about it. But I've had no faith in Gareth Southgate and I suspect, and I always have, that this England team will win the group. I still think they will win the group, but will then struggle to get through the 16 and 8. I think that's that's probably about where England are. I think this squad does have the capability to go deeper in a tournament. Um, but like I say, a guy who was sacked at Middlesbrough, a guy who's never really shown any kind of uh, technical nous. Look, he's a good guy and he, he talks really well. Um, he's got a good heart. You can tell that in, in the way that he speaks, particularly on, on spiky issues, for example, with the, the taking the knee, etc. But purely as a manager and, and, and looking at the way he sets his teams up, style of play, um, and we'll probably come onto that from last night, but there the didn't seem to be much of an idea Switched the fullbacks round for a little bit more attacking intent, um, but didn't do anything with the midfield. You just look at the talent that, that England have uh, in and around the bench, and I know that's a well-worn phrase, and and it could well be the the stick that people beat England with this summer is that oh look how great your bench was, but look you went out in the last sixteen or, or the last eight or whatever, or even the groups unlikely of course. But what I would say is, I looked. I looked last night, and I seen. I thought one of the game changers and one of the players who particularly, and he hasn't been mentioned much in the analysis, but one of the game changers who didn't uh, get used, his energy was a particular uh, positive in the closing stages against Croatia. Was Jude Bellingham? Um, I think. I think his energy could have came into the side last night. It probably had an impact when England had that lull around 60 to 70 minutes, where he thought, "Come on, step it up now," and Scotland were dominating. To be honest. Um, I would have said someone like I just don't get. I'm, look, I'm not, I'm not edgy enough to be a Bundesliga aficionado, but I, I look at someone like um, Jaden Sancho, for example, and say there's a guy who's got pace. He can score goals and, and, and provide assists with his left and his right, um, and he's got a bit of pace and he's a proper winger. Play him, bring him on. He doesn't seem to fancy him. I don't know what it is, but he doesn't seem to fancy him. There's all the clamour for Jack Grealish. Look, I can understand the Jack Grealish one. Because you've got you've got Mount, who was arguably the English Premier League player of the season. Arguably he was, there's no doubt about it, to be honest. Um, apart from probably Harry Kane, who's been horrendous so far this tournament. 
Um, but then you look you look through the side and say, look, that's that's probably the big problem area. The midfield doesn't look right. The balance isn't there. But um, when you've got Harry Kane, who looks looks an absolute shadow of his usual self, and Raheem Sterling's just doing Raheem Sterling things, then I think you're, you're going to struggle um, because England need a little bit more than that. The fine against Scotland. Look, Scotland played the, the game of their lives, and I've got a big soft talk for Scotland. I lived up there for five years. My son and my daughter were born there. Um, I've told the story on Twitter as well on numerous occasions that my son, um, my son sees himself as a Scotland fan, despite the fact my wife tried to buy him England shirt this week. He refused to wear it. Um, <laughs> so I've, I've got a soft spot for Scotland. I want to see them do well. But England, England should be taking Scotland to pieces. Um, it's so elite is that squad. And it didn't happen. And Scotland played really well um, out of their skins. I thought uh, O'Donnell, everyone's talking about Gilmore, thought O'Donnell was incredible. For a lad who's basically done his bidding in, in the Scottish Premiership, um, he, he put in a fantastic performance, probably the biggest game of his life. So, yeah, I think I think it's not the end of the world. I think I think you don't you don't win or lose tournaments in, in group stages, and England will go through. Um, so I think there's a lot of, as you would put it, James Fume. But ultimately, I, there's nothing won or lost at this stage, and I think England will be fine. But do I see them going deep into a tournament? I think Southgate's the major block in that process. Our apologies to any edgy Bundesliga aficionados listening to the podcast today. Mark, what was your take on the England-Scotland goalless draw? I suppose let's not beat around the bush. The feeling was certainly amongst England fans that they would walk this, and I saw a lot of four or five nil predictions before the game. Scotland turned up, turned up. England didn't, and it's um, it's sort of illuminated a little bit of English arrogance, hasn't it? Slightly, you would say, maybe. Oh, of course, of course. I mean, firstly, um, elite squad. Let's look at your defence. Tyrone Mings, Luke Shaw, midfield, Calvin Phillips, Declan Rice. I mean, these guys aren't elite players. And that's where your feelings are. You've got too many plodders, especially in midfield. Rice and Phillips, play one, don't play two. I'd, I think we made a good point about Grealish. I'd play Grealish and Mount, get service into into these guys that you've got up front. But let's not talk about England. Let's talk about Scotland, because obviously we were, we were fantastic. We Firstly, Steve Clark got his selection spot on. He didn't do that against the Czechs. He made sure we had players who were comfortable on the ball. Kieran Tierney, Scott McTominay at the back. Uh, Billy Gilmore, fantastic. What a performance from him. John McGinn, you guys all know about John McGinn. I mean, I've watched him for years at Hibs. Boy's a, boy's a special player. Should be playing for one of the big six probably will be at some point. Um, our only feeling really was up front. We just don't have a, we don't have the stardust. And it's funny listening to, to lamenting Harry Kane. I mean, Christ, what we give for Harry Kane, really. Uh, I know I, I know he wasn't great last night. Don't think England played to his strengths at the moment and he looks tired. But our biggest feeling was our two strikers. They played well, but they just don't score goals. And um, that was a frustration. But look, we're, we're, we're back in it. Lift off for us. We're, we're, we're back in the game beat Croatia, we're, we're probably going to qualify. Um, I think it restored a lot of faith in Scottish football. People are really happy up here. Um, people are laughing a bit at England, at England. I think fair enough. I mean, you saw Rio Ferdinand saying it was going to be 5-6-7-0. Um, part of it is playing to the, the stereotype, of course. But um, now nah, we're, we're, we're content. We're, we're in a good place now. Um, I hope that, that you guys can the checks are doing because I think that could help us get second place. But you won't. You'll probably draw or win one nil. Um, but I've got I've got a feeling that we'll, that both of us will be in the last sixteen now. I think Croatia aren't as good as 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 they used to be. 
we've got a bit of momentum. Um, and yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see you in the quarters of the semis. And Graham, the man of the match award, and I think most um, people's standout player of the game was Billy Gilmore. Chelsea's Billy Gilmore started in the middle, first start for Scotland, and it came in a major tournament against England at Wembley with all the history and the connotations. Appeared just five times in the Premier League for Chelsea last season. I think he's got 11 Premier League appearances. Not a lot of them are starts. I mean, what a performance for a 20-year-old on the major stage. First 20 minutes, he... I think it was mentioned in the commentary. He looked like he struggled with the pace of the game, but as soon as he read the game, got involved and, and got up to speed, he was immense, wasn't he? I think there's... Um, I, I like to think, because I've, I've watched football long enough, I can kind of pick a player, and obviously I get some of them wrong. But I think Billy Gilmore is like... He's way beyond his years, isn't he? You watch him and I think you don't see like a 20-year-old kid there. You see like a what looks like a seasoned pro. He's just dead composed on the ball, dead calm. And, and I think that was a huge difference for me in yesterday's game. I think I, I was I, I predicted 1-1 before the game. I think I may be a little bit different. I think every game from a Scotland and an England perspective, it's, it is a one-off game. England-Scotland was billed as, as big as it was because it is that big and that anything can happen. I think you'll probably find... Scotland will get a bit of a lift from that, but they still need to win on Tuesday. And I think on the flip side, you'll probably see a bit of a different England side as well. Um, I think in the context of the game, that the big, big difference was that, in my opinion, had a potential world-class player came into the squad in Billy Gilmore and, in my opinion, a world-class defender in KT, Kieran Tierney. Um, and I think that made a huge difference. I would have liked to have seen, well, obviously he's an Englishman, I would have liked to see how the game would have went if John Stones had scored in the first 10 and hit the post because I think it annoyed me how much I called the game. I'm normally always wrong and my predictions are terrible. I actually nailed how the game would be. I said England need to score in the first 20 minutes to kind of knock the, knock the stuff out of Scotland really and not give them hope because otherwise it will sort of build and they'll get hope. And after that first sort of 20 minutes, Scotland did start building hope and they did start putting like uh, chances together and started getting some of the better chances. Um, but I think it's a derby game. I think in all honesty, it's how many times have we seen, I mean, me and you, James, have seen Sunderland beat Newcastle and Sunderland followed up with five defeats because we lift ourselves to one particular game. I think from Scotland's perspective and England's perspective, England kind of, I'll say, messed themselves, shall we say, on, on a big stage and I think felt the pressure. I think they need to sort that out. Um, if we'd have played maybe Czech Republic in the second game, would we have been, like we looked as, as under pressure as we were, would there have been less pressure on the game or would we have played more of what we've come to expect from England? Would Scotland have raised the game as much as if it was against England? I don't know, because maybe they were just a better side because they had better players in the team, like I said before, than they did against the Czech Republic. Um, but I, I think it was a, 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 a fair result, to be completely honest. Um, I think there was chances on both sides. I think you can look at Lyndon Dykes' chance, you can look at um, John Stones' chance, neither of those goes in and the, the team probably wins it, whoever scores it. But, but back to your original question, I think Billy Gilmore will be a, a Scotland regular for, for about 10, 15 years to come. He's, he's very, very, very good. Yeah, just just on the Sutherland point, because Liam Kennedy's on the podcast, I know it might wind him up slightly because he's a, a big Newcastle fan, but I've seen Sutherland lose their opening, lose or draw their opening eight or nine games and then suddenly pull out a, a win against Newcastle United in the derby. But we'll go to Liam now. Uh, Steve Clark versus Gareth Southgate. I mean, it's fair to say Steve Clark won that tactical battle, isn't it? Yeah, I think, I think ultimately, if you look at it in the midfield, just play better. I think the, the three in midfield, there was a good balance there. Uh, with Scotland, um, but I think, like I said, I think there's a lot, a lot of 
uh, England England were very defensive last night. I think they almost set it up, set their team out as if they didn't want to lose the game more than able to win it. Because I think if they could, if they if they'd done that, they would have they would have uh, they would have won the game. Um, I think I know people look at the expected goals and things like that, but I think anybody who takes a look at that statistic will see that England still probably should have won the game, um, despite the fact. And again, that's an absolute credit to Scotland. I thought they were really good. Um, I, I want to go back to Mark's point and say I, I think it's really ridiculous calling some England's players plodders. I, think, I, I just, you know, that's a weird term, plodders. I think that's a little bit far. Well, I, I think. Exactly. We're talking about elite footballers, so we're talking about the context of international football. If you look at your midfield, Calvin Phillips played well against Croatia, but I think him and Declan Rice, for me, I want more startups to my England team. I don't think those players provide enough going forward. So what I would say is in the Premier League, is John McGinn comparable to Calvin Phillips? And he is. If you watch Premier League football every week, they are comparable players. John McGinn doesn't suddenly become a world-class eight in, in a team and all of a sudden Calvin Phillips and Declan Rice on. Oh, Declan Rice was better than John McGinn last season in the Premier League. He's not a plotter, is he? I think, I, I, well, well, we'll agree to disagree, Liam. I think John McGinn is better than both of them. Um, I think he offers more. I think he, I think he, last night he impacted the game more than those two players. Definitely. There's no doubt about it. And I like John McGinn. I think he's a great player. Um, and I agree with you. I think, I think he could grace midfields much higher up the division, but I'll be honest with you, I think at Aston Villa, he is going to grace a midfield higher up the division because I think they're going to continue to progress. But what I would say is, looking at England's squad, and, and I'll justify the elite comment, um, I think most people will probably agree, it's elite. You've just got to look at the forward line, you've got to look at the midfielders. There are elite players there. There are a lot of players who played in the Champions League final on both sides, a lot of players who played in the Europa League final. That is elite football. Um, there's a lot of players who are playing at the top, top level in in, in other competitions. Kieran Trippier didn't get in the team. He played the first game. He's a La Liga winner. He's an elite player. You've got the likes of uh, Jude Bellingham and, and Jaden Sancho are elite players in the Bundesliga. Again, so why are these... So, why, so you're right. Why are Sancho and Bellingham not playing then? I don't know. And that's that's the point that will probably come on to James' point. That, that for me, um, I, think, I think Jude Bellingham... I, I've never understood this. And that's why I, I'm going to give Steve Clark a lot of credit for last night is I've analysed the Scottish squad. I've got a lot of Scottish mates. I worked up there for five years. Um, I would have had Billy Gilmore on that first team. The first game that you played, Billy Gilmore's got to play. I thought it was too, uh, it was limited, the way the, the selection. And I'm going to be honest, I thought Steve Clark after the game hit the nail on the head. I watched that game, um, the, the opener against uh, the Czech Republic. And Scotland weren't as bad as people made out in terms of the game itself. They weren't rubbish. People jumped off a cliff because of the result. Ultimately, and it was the context of it. The context was, you looked at the three games on paper and said, if we're going to get out of this group, you've got to get something against the Czechs. And they didn't. They got they got beaten really resoundingly in, in a 2-0 defeat. But in terms of the performance, they weren't that bad. All it was going to take was a couple of tweaks. And I thought the couple of tweaks that were made made a big difference. I think Dykes up front with his aerial had to stay in. I think Christie, for me, doesn't quite fit. And I think he was a player that had to come out of the team and bring someone like Che Adams in. How good was Che Adams last night? Che Adams, let's let's be honest, is 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 an okay Premier League forward. He's okay. You know, you wouldn't get him many other sides. But Scotland for years, I, I covered Scotland home and away while I worked up in for the Dundee Evening Telegraph, and and it was constant. It was it was it was Lee Griffiths or or it was it was just it was constant struggles to find centre forwards who could do a job. 
Um, now they've got one. Che Adams is a Premier League ready forward who can come in and, and he knows how to play the position. He can do the hold-up work, but he can also finish as well. And I think just putting somebody like that in takes Scotland from one level up to another quite easily. Clark made some big big mistakes in that game against the Czech Republic. And the two players that you've touched upon, obviously Tierney he couldn't play because he was injured, but Gilmore and Adams. I'm not saying that Scotland would have beaten the Czechs, but you've, you've got a better chance. See, he, Clark is a loyal man. That's one of the things. He wanted to give the guys that got Scotland there an opportunity, which is why Ryan Christie started. Ryan Christie is has been poor for Celtic for the past six months, out of sorts. Um, now he's stumbled. I mean, at least he had the courage to change it. That's what I like about Steve Clark. I think that's the point you're going to make, Liam. Clark seems like he can actually rectify the situation. Can Southgate do the same? No, and that, you're exactly right, Mark. Um, we're definitely in agreement on that one. I think he's been England manager for around five years now. There's, there has been signs of progression, but and I know it's always difficult. It's always the the argument where you say, is it the manager, is it the players? I think at international level, it mostly is the players, and it's about creating a culture and, a, and a, almost a, a club mentality in it, on the international stage. That's what a manager's job is. But I also think you've got to have some... It helps to have the tactical side of things. I think if you look, for example, Italy, the way they're set up, you've got Mancini, who is who is up there as an elite-ish manager in club football. And he's come at the international stage and he's set a team up perfectly. Not many people looked at Italy. Again, I'm not a European football expert, but not many people had them down as their favourites. Um, but you look at the balance in their midfield. You look at the, the width that they get down the left. You look at the movement up front. That's a team who've been set up proper tactically. Compare that to England, for example. Who were in a lot of people's, uh, you know, oh, I think England could go far or they're in the top four or they should do well. A lot of conversations were had like that. But you look at England tactically last night and, and there was very little idea, very little intent. And that's why I can only say that, that playing Declan Rice, playing Calvin Phillips, and I thought Calvin Phillips, you couldn't drop Calvin Phillips after that first game. And I understand that. But I would say moving forward now, there is no point in having that. Calvin Phillips last night was not the same Calvin Phillips in the first game. Calvin Phillips played as an eight, and he was breaking constantly, breaking between the lines, finding gaps. Last night, he just sat there, just sat there alongside Declan Rice and provided absolutely nothing. There was no point. That's why I looked at Jude Bellingham. Bellingham came on for that 10, 15 minutes against Croatia, and he was closing the gaps between people, closing down, taking the ball forward, full of energy. Didn't see that last night from England's midfield, and that's a balance that's going to need to be addressed. He made the fullback changes. I thought, I thought bringing Luke Shaw in was the right call. Um, I think Luke Shaw gave them a bit more balance down the left, but did did Reese James really provide anything more than what Kyle Walker did? And, and I like Reese James, don't get us wrong. Um, I think he is the best right back that they've got in that squad. But could could Trippier or Walker potentially have provided more in that position last night? I would argue yes. I don't think Walker did enough to be dropped. I thought he was he had a very ropey start against the Croatians, but then really improved as the game went on. You've got you've got a, you've got an embarrassment of riches at fullback. I'm not going to lie. I mean, I know I kind of poked fun at the elite thing, and it was more tongue in cheek. But actually, your fullbacks. I thought Reese James was brilliant. I had to do the England man by man's last night, and James was one of the best outfield players. Um, and I think Kieran Trippier is a, a cracking player. Um, you've got you've got an issue there. You've got too many good good options there, which is. I'm, a, I'm, I'm 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 really enjoying this debate. It's uh, it's great to to see a, an Englishman and a Scotsman. Agree to disagree, disagree, agree, 
agree to disagree, then agree again. So <laughs> I'm really enjoying this. We'll we'll go back to Grim just so we can just so we can I, get I am still I am still here. He's still here, but that that was absolutely fantastic. Just um just to move away from the game itself and to go into the reaction from England, England fans, England pundits. Four points from two tricky games, haven't conceded, still time to grow into the tournament. Is this all a bit melodramatic? Absolutely. Yeah, 100%. I think from, from both aspects. I mean, obviously, I live in a, a Scottish household and in this, the biggest city in Scotland. Um, so talking about overreactions, I've seen it. Um, but you can understand it. I think, I think from the outside looking in, it was kind of weird. Like you had people saying 5-0, 4-0 and stuff like that. I've said it all week. I'll take a 1-0 if someone's backside in the last minute. It's a derby game. It's like, in my lifetime, England have never absolutely hammered Scotland. Not really. A couple of 3 nils here and there. A 3-1 at Celtic Park a few years ago. But you're never going to just turn up to a tournament against a wounded Scotland who are backed by like a very, very vocal 3,000 off in inverted commas. There was definitely more. Um, it's just never going to happen like that. And I think, you know what, if we drew against Croatia and beat Scotland, everyone would be like, oh, that's decent. You would, you would have took it. And I think um, the beauty of England is, in my opinion, is that we have got the ability to change things. If you look at the changes that Scotland made, the fact that they could bring Gilmore in, the fact that they could bring KT back in, um, that made a huge difference, a huge, huge difference. England can do very, very similar and bring in really, really good players, world-class players in terms of Jaden Sancho, in terms of Bellingham, who is probably at least on a par with Billy Gilmore in terms of potential there's plenty of options we can bring in there. We can bring in Trippier, Walker. You know, you can bring in the Little League winner or you can bring in a Premier League winner right back. Um, I worry a bit about the centre-halves. I've never been the biggest fan of John Stones at international level. I'm 100% sure in Tyrone Mings. I would have liked, I'd like to see Maguire come back in because I know he's got his critics, but I think Maguire brings the ball out from the back and I thought a lot of the play last night was very, I think everyone said a pedestrian passive and I think Liam touching it before, intent wasn't there. I think bringing the likes of Bellingham and Maguire, even though he might not be 100% fit, might allow us to have a bit more intent going further forward. Sancho is more of an out-and-out winger. There's, there's people and players there to change it, but English media will sometimes go overboard. On the flip side, Scottish media is going to go overboard today because they've won nil-nil, um, and it's one of those things, do you know what I mean? Like Everyone said, oh, you're going to get battered from this side. I said right from the start, it's going to be a draw. It's You've got to take that game in the context of what it was, it's England versus Scotland. They're never, ever going to be a 5-0, 6-0 either way. It's going to be a tight game, and it turned out to be. Um, do I think England can't go any further now because we didn't beat Scotland? Absolutely not. Um, look at the Wales game a few years ago, James. I'm sure you remember it. I was like, a few people said, oh, we should batter Wales. And I was like, not a chance. That's not going to happen. Wales is a derby as well. And it had been a while since we played each other where Wales had a chance of beating us. You almost did. We had a really good second half performance. And everyone's like, brilliant, we beat Wales, that's it. We know we're going to have a good tournament. Lo and behold, we're out two games later. Lo and behold, Wales get to a semi-final. Um, things can change so drastically. I would much rather draw against Scotland and get to the latest stages of the tournament than beat Scotland and get beaten in the last 16, which is essentially what happened in the last Euros. I think it's overboard. Um, I understand the criticisms and I understand that it matters to people that much on both sides that there's a big reaction um, from both. But in reality, we've got so many players where we can change it. And is it necessarily a bad thing for England to finish second, potentially? There's that debate as well. Graham's mentioned it there, Liam. You've mentioned it as well. Mark's mentioned it. We've all, we all know the players. 
we all know the strength of the bench. I guess the main point is that England should be fun to watch, and at the moment they're not. Yeah, basically. There's no fun, is there? There's no fun, Graham, at all. It's it's a it's a real it's a real str- it was a struggle watching it last night. It, really it was. was. I think you you said intent, Liam, and I think it's it's bang on. You said about intent. Uh, to me, I had someone in the household going, "Oh, Scotland defending really well," but I didn't feel like we asked enough questions. I, and like that's the thing. I think. I mean, I support a club team that nine times out of ten, when we were in the Premier League, it was back to the wall stuff. Very, very similar with you, Liam, to be fair, especially with Steve Bruce's manager. Um, but when it comes to sitting back, there's teams that can soak up that pressure for 80, 85 minutes. And then the quality of a team, because you're asked enough questions, eventually there's one mistake that tie you and you score. We've seen Man United, we've seen City, we've seen countless teams do it, where the teams just eventually tire. And I just felt, for me, we asked questions every 15 minutes. If we're asking questions every five minutes and going and going and going, no matter how well Scotland defend, you're going to get that one chance. And I felt, if anything, we were so pedestrian and so lacking in intent, we give Scotland more confidence to go and have a go at us and probably take out the John Stones chance. You look at the Lyndon Dykes chance, Scotland arguably could have could have nicked it quite easily. I think it was a fair result. I don't think anyone deserved it. But I think it was that lack of intent mixed with Scotland's anger almost and and desire and passion and, and will to will to get something from that game that, that hindered England. Um I, I really agree with you on Calvin Phillips. I don't think he's a bad player, far from it. I don't think he could be dropped. Get him out for the next game. We've got so many attacking options. If Jaden Santos is not even on the bench, there's a problem there. I think he's got 19 assists in the Bundesliga. Um and I mean Haaland's not bad. As a striker he's pretty decent if we're talking about strikers. Um get Harry Kane more in the box and get Sancho maybe on the right, banging them in, getting out now, old, old school winger. I don't want to see any more of this Sterling standing, walking, trying to take people on. Like, that's very easy to defend against, no matter how fast and tricky you are. You're going to start, and it's slowed everything down. We need to be faster, we need to have a bit more intent, but we've got the place to do that. We, we can do it, but we need to be a bit more, uh, a bit less pragmatic, a bit more exciting. Like, like James said, we're not exciting to watch at the minute. We'll come back on uh, Scotland in a second, but I, I want to, talk about Harry Kane briefly. He was extremely poor. It wasn't great against Croatia. I mean, what's up with him? Is he trying to drive the price of his Tottenham exit down? Is he is he trying to get one up on Daniel Levy? Liam, and then the decision as well to, to bring Rashford on. I know England maybe needed a little bit of pacing behind, but you've got Dominic Calvert-Lewin there who's had a good season. It seemed like a bizarre substitution to me, did, as did the Grealish one who came on for Phil Foden. Surely you would take Declan Rice or Calvin Phillips off in that situation. Um, look, I think I think if we'll go back onto this elite squad idea, I think I think bringing Calvert Lewin in, who had a very very good uh, season in the Premier League, is not an elite change for Harry Kane. Unfortunately, it's not one that I'm particularly enamoured with, um, and I don't disagree with bringing Rashford on. Um, I would like. It's a shame that, that Mason Greenwood um, didn't uh, come. The problem being, of course, an injury, but he he is a player who potentially could become an elite forward. I think there's other days. I would rather have probably had someone like a Watkins as well. I do rate him. Um, but Harry Kane, it's it's a it's an interesting situation that England find themselves in because arguably they've got one of the best uh, strikers in the world. Um, I would say that they're not really playing to his strengths. Um, he doesn't want. It's not it's not necessarily just getting the balls in the box and things like that. Of course, any striker thrives off that, and Harry Kane's one of the sharpest in that area um, in the Premier League and in world football. But 
I think it's just more about um, Kane. Kane's so keen to drop deep, drop in, and it's quite unnatural for him to to have to be the absolute forward. Because say when he plays at Tottenham, he's got Son who'll be buzzing in and around him, who will often interchange and take up that forward position. Uh, Son is so much better than than Raheem Sterling. I think ultimately, I think you, you stick with you stick with uh, Kane and you change Sterling. But um, we talked about loyalty before. Um, and I think Gareth Southgate's a very loyal manager too. And, and I don't know, Steve Clark, he can use that as a positive. Um, and I think Southgate possibly is a negative. The concern, of course, is that you've got an England team going into this where do we really know what they are? Do we know what they're trying to be? I would argue that against the top teams and Croatia aren't, are no longer a top team. Um, they've dropped off a cliff really in the last uh, three years since England played them in a World Cup semi-final. Um, but against a top, top team, so England go through in the 16 and play a Portugal, a Germany, a France, whoever it may be. Um, and England aren't going to have the ball. They're not going to have to control and dictate. And what you've got to have from England is the ability to then impact the game and break. And they do have players to do that. Phil Foden can pick up pockets. Um, I would, like I say, I would argue Jaden Sancho should be in that team. But that would suit Harry Kane. Games like the game against Scotland where England are going to have to control and dictate, they have got the players of that ability to do that. But I don't believe in Gareth Southgate to set a team up um, in that manner. Kane, you're just going to have to persist with him. He is he is one of the best um, in the business. And I don't agree with all of this idea that, I mean, you, I know you're joking there, James, but there are some people seriously out there talking about, is, is his move away from Tottenham on his mind? Is that is that sort of energy portrayed into his, into his footballing game and, and I very much doubt it he's, he's a top player and a professional um, and I think he'd be fully focused on this tournament um, and then he'll, he'll probably well will Daniel Levy let him have his move I'm not I'm not so sure about that it'll have to be an amazing offer from somebody and um, we know Daniel Levy probably one of the biggest negotiators toughest negotiators in the game um, but no I, I think you've just got to stick with Kane I think there's changes that can be made in and around Kane that'll bring much more out of him um, and look He's, he's a, he is a top-class elite player. And, and there aren't many players in this tournament who would want a ball dropping two in the box if a chance comes his way at any point in the game because he is a top-class finisher. We see that week and week out in the Premier League. He scores all, all kinds of goals. can score goals from 30 yards as a free kick. He can smash them in with his left, his right, and he's just he's a poacher as well. Um, but he's a creator too. And, and I think England need to um, utilise that a little bit more. And I think somebody playing in Sterling's position would probably, someone better than Sterling would probably do a better job. Look, could you could you just bin Calvin Phillips out of that team? Because I quite like Declan Rice. Could you bin Calvin Phillips out of that team? Keep it similar and just throw in throw in a Jack Grealish. Um, maybe, you know, go at that a little bit more because Mount can play in midfield. So Mount can do the dropping in with his, with his best mates that go back years from, from the days of Chelsea with, with Declan Rice. Could that, could that be an option? And then that's a way of getting Foden who, who I know he's played well, but we haven't seen we've, we've seen we haven't seen the best of Phil Foden at this tournament so far. Um, we've not really seen Jack Grealish. He came on last night, and it was it, it didn't change anything bringing Jack Grealish on. It was a it was a like for like when England needed a little bit of a an injection of a change of formation and change of approach. It didn't give them that, and and I think that's that's where Southgate ultimately falls down. How, does he have the ability to look at a game and change it and impact things tactically? Um, make changes that are going to transform a game. And that's what I needed from England last night. An hour in, they had a bench, and we talked about it, stocked full of quality. What can you do to make an impact on this game? And that's where 
the problem of Gareth Southgate comes comes into it. He's probably got a job with England for the next three or four years, unless they, they don't qualify for a tournament. Probably next five, six, he may, he may be there for a long time. But what I would look at is where does Gareth Southgate go after he's managed England? There aren't many clubs knocking at the door to take him. Pizza Hut adverts. Yeah, I remember that. Yep, back in his head. Yep. Got a job for life for them, to be fair. <laughs> I did enjoy um, Roy Keane's reaction on ITV to the, the Declan Rice, Mason Mount story. He just, he was not having any of it. We'll go back into Scotland now as we career towards the end of the pod. Mark, Scotland now have a clear task. Beat Croatia to qualify. Uh, can they do it? It's at Hamden, but they'll need to score first. Can they do it? Yep. Yeah, they can. Uh, Croatia are not as good as they were three years ago. They don't have... They miss Mandzukic. They miss Perisic. They, their defence is a little bit older, but they still have some great ball players. I mean, Mateo Kovacic is brilliant. Really like him. Um, Modric has still obviously got it. Um, they can score goals. They scored a great goal yesterday. Um, even Perisic. Scotland... That they need to bring that performance against England, which will have taken a lot out of them to bring that to Hamden again. They're at home, they've got a good chance, but you touched on it, James. You've got to score a goal, you've got to score a goal. And you, I mean, my complaint about Scotland has always been that at the business end of international football, Scotland do not have enough in attack to score against the big teams, they don't have enough in defence to keep the door shut. It worked last night, of course. But it might not work again. I'd still say, yeah, I think we have a good chance. We have a chance, but I can see it being glorious failure again. Unfortunately for Scotland, um, could easily uh, draw that game. Um, but we'll see. Look, this is our first tournament in twenty-three years. Part of me is just enjoying it. This is a young team. We're there. This is hopefully the start of it for Scotland. Um, they should take a lot of heart from what happened. Um, but look, you. England will go further than Scotland. I know that's not the most uh, outrageous thing you're going to hear all day, but let's face it, England will go further than Scotland. If we can get to the last 16 and join you guys there, fantastic. So that's Mark's prediction on what will happen to Scotland. Graham, we'll go to you first and get your thoughts on how this group will pan out. Do you think Scotland can do it against Croatia? And, and what do you see happening in the England game against the Czechs? In the same sense that the English media have probably gone overboard with it. We're rubbish, we're terrible. Let's just get out of the tournament now. I think potentially there will be an element of the Scottish, not media, maybe even the fans, where go a bit overboard because they've got a nil-nil draw. But the Croatia game is different because they need to win. And I was at the game yesterday, Croatia versus uh, Czech Republic, and I'll be at the game on Tuesday. Uh, I've watched both Scotland games and the overriding emotion from that game is exactly what Mark said, score goals. They haven't scored a goal yet. Craig Burley still the last man to score and be sent off for the record. For Scotland in a World Cup, um, uh, Croatia not what they were, but that little bit of quality yesterday from Perisic pulled them back into a game. As it was, I thought the Czech Republic were a far better side yesterday than the the Croatians, and I think they were quite unlucky uh, not to get the win. Although the penalty was debatable, um, at risk of upsetting my entire household and all my friends, I, I don't think they've got enough to beat Croatia. I don't think they're good enough to score the couple of goals that I think they're probably going to need against Croatia. I think Croatia will open them up a couple of times. Um, they're a bit more offensive than what England would be. And I think it's also naturally harder to get yourself up for a game against Croatia than it is, is, it, is, it, it is England. Sorry, 
despite the fact that the game is massive. I hope they do. I, I genuinely hope Scotland do because obviously I live here. I've got a lot of affection for Scotland, a hell of a lot of it. I just don't want to see them beat England or get draws against England, obviously. Um, from an England perspective, um, I'm kind of in two minds because you probably want an easier draw. I don't really want to play France in the last 16 because then I think Scotland have the potential to go as far as England because we'll get battered off France if we play them. Um, but I also don't want to draw against Czech Republic and kind of stumble into the last 16. Um, so I don't know. I, I really just hope it's a better performance. I hope it's a more impressive performance, a more attacking performance with a bit more risks. Um, I seen yesterday, like people in the, the crowd as the team was coming through, it was because the crowd was full of Scotland fans yesterday, to be completely honest. Um, towards the end of the game, people are checking their phones, getting the lineups, and they're going, oh, Billy Gilmore's in the team. And that lift that it gives them, like, oh, Billy Gilmore's playing, he's actually listened to us a bit. That just gave people a lift. I hope that Southgate does the same. I hope he puts, like, Kyle Walker back in. I think Kyle Walker... I wanted to see Rhys James at the beginning of the tournament. I'd now much prefer Kyle Walker. I think he's more offensive. He's going to get us higher up the pitch than I think Rhys James will. He's got to play Grealish. Like, I'm very much a Grealish fanboy, not just because I had his haircut about a year ago. Um, I genuinely, genuinely really like him. But um, I, th I think Grealish has just got the ability to open up the defences. But I want him to play with someone like Foden. I don't want it to be Foden or Grealish. I want it to be both. I think Sancho could potentially be brought in. I wouldn't drop Harry Kane. Not a chance. Um, I think you, Liam, nail on the head. You said you've just got to get better service into him. I don't think Harry Kane's had a bad game. I just think he's playing a completely different... Has to play a completely different way than he does at Spurs when he's got like Son and Gareth Bale around him. That's a bit different to what he's getting at the moment from Sterling and uh, Foden. So I think we'll beat Czech Republic. I think it'll be like a one niller. I think it'll probably be enough where people still mourn about it. But a win's a win's a win. But then you get the last 16 and you play Portugal, Germany, or France. And I think, oh, uh oh okay. Um, Scotland, I, I don't think have enough to beat Croatia because I think Croatia will score and I don't see where two goals come against. But hey, like a rock, a rock in Hampden Parks, you never know. Um, when that place is buzzing, I've been in it a few times and it really can drag... Scotland over the line uh, really can be for want of a I don't want to really use the cliche about 12th man but uh, I'm going to say no because as Mark knows Scotland are very good at doing glorious failure and it would be very much Scotland to get their only point against England in a glorious 0-0 draw back to the wall should have potentially won 1-0 kind of game and then get battered off Croatia a la like Morocco France 1998 Liam, your predictions for the final two games and how this group will look? Um, as much as I want to see Scotland progress, I really do. Because um, I've been there for some of those glorious failures, some of the less than glorious failures, covering them home away. Um, I just don't see it. I don't see... I think it's the goals thing. I think um, that I just don't see where the goals are coming from. I quite easily see a draw in the game. I could see a draw, but I could also see Croatia scoring with England. I think I think it'll probably be I could easily see a draw in that game too, um, but I, I think I think ultimately probably England will probably scrape a win. Um, it depends on the team that he plays and the types of changes that he makes, as to how much hope is then taken forward into the next game. Um, but I think England. I think ultimately I, I want to see England go and win. I, I don't I don't buy into this idea that 
it is better and it is absolutely better to finish second in this group. But I want to see England go and beat the Czech Republic. I think I think that breeds confidence and ultimately to win, to win a tournament, which some of these players obviously do want to win a tournament. You, you don't turn up at tournaments to come second. I think ultimately if, if that's what they, they want to do, which I think it is, they need to go and win. Beat Czech Republic. In any given in any given if, if England have the Czech Republic in qualifying tournaments, they beat them at home. That's that's just a given. That's what happens. So go and beat them in the proper tournament and go and finish top of the table top of the table. And then play anybody that comes. Ultimately, I don't think if England play Portugal, which is what you predict it might well be, play Portugal in the, the last 16, it's not a game traditionally England win. So it will be really tough, even if it's Germany. Germany aren't as good as they were, but they're pretty, they're decent. They're a decent, decent side. Um, and we'll go, I've got a potential to go as far as England in the tournament. But I want to see that. Ultimately, thing and then losing the 16 against a team like that, is there really any shame in it? As long as they give it a good go. Um, that's that's the way I look at it. And, and look, it's not beat around the bush as well. On any given day, England could beat Portugal and Germany um, in a last 16 game. Um, it's just that, that English mentality that we have that people seem to think we're overconfident. It's the exact opposite. People expect defeat. People expect loss. It's just a facade. <laughs> the rest of it, um, ultimately. But I, I think I think I want to see England go and win, and I think I want to see Scotland win. I'd love to see that. I'd love to see Scotland just nick a goal. If the defend, if Grant Hanley puts in those kind of performances like he did last night, and the players around him uh, continue, then. When did Grant Hanley turn into Jack Beckenbauer, by the way? Jock Beckenbauer, I suppose. Um, yesterday, that was an amazing performance. I can't believe you didn't touch on it, actually. You talked about Grant Hanley. He was superb last night. He was literally a Beckenbauer performance. Um, the recovery, there was one recovery tackle, I think, in the second half, which was absolutely incredible. incredible. Yeah. yeah. Was but I, look, I, want to see, I want to see both teams progress. Uh, but do I think both teams will progress? I think Scotland have still got a really uh, tough... Had to win one of the games, and I think they always knew that. I think last night it was good to see some positive changes. They had five minutes to win a game last night, and he made a couple of positive changes to go for it. Um, it's 90 minutes against Croatia. Ultimately, again, I go back to a qualifying tournament or a friendly. Any given time you have Croatia at home um, at Hamden, then most of the time Croatia, you'd expect Croatia to come out on top of that. Um, but this is tournament football, and anything can change and be, you know, there are there is pressures to that. It's a shame. I don't think Hamden's the best home ground um, on the planet. And I think a lot, I think most Scottish people will scratch the surface will agree that they'd rather they'd rather a tighter, a tighter bowl than what Hamden is. It's it's too far away. But it would have been lovely, lovely to see a uh, fifty or thousand there roaring the Scots on and, and trying to pull that home because there aren't going to, in a lifetime there aren't going to be many opportunities like this to have have a tournament in a, in your home ground effectively. And look, I want to see them do it, but do I think they will? I think the law of averages would suggest no, and the law of averages are suggesting none will probably win and win the group. Gentlemen, thank you for joining me on the We Could Be Euros podcast. We'll be back in a couple of days to bring you a more thorough preview of England and Scotland's final group games. We may even touch on Wales, Italy as well, because we haven't talked about Wales much and they've probably been the best home nation so far, and I'll, uh, I'll leave it there. The We Can Be Euros podcast is bringing you a light-hearted look at all of the action across this summer's tournament. This series is produced by JPI Media and this episode was hosted by me, James Copley, football writer for the Sunday Neko. This episode featured Mark Atkinson from the Edinburgh Evening News, Graham Falk of The Scotsman and Liam Kennedy who writes for the Shields Gazette. 
You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and other podcast platforms. Now, the show was produced by Mark Wilson. Music is provided by Gentleman Jackals. Check them out on Spotify now. And head over to nationalworld.com for all of your latest Euros news and analysis. You can also follow us on Twitter at National World and on Facebook at National World UK. 